Good morning to you. I'm sorry. Good morning to you. I mean, I have to come and be happy. You have to come and be happy too, right? I want to introduce you to your new friend. This is David Wall. Say hello, David. David is executive director for the Family Foundation of Kentucky. These guys are heroes for us. They stand, say it again. They stand for Kentucky families, biblical values that honor the Lord Jesus. They stand for religious freedom. They stand for the sanctity of life. And they stand for the things that we hold dear. And uh, I asked David if he would come and start this part off because he will give you an overview of what's happening in Kentucky. Stretch out your hand. Let's pray for David. Father, favor comes from you. And you put David and his team in strategic but difficult places, the halls of Frankfurt. Give him favor. Give him wisdom. I ask for protection over he and his wife and his kids. I pray for revelation. Bring them allies. Bring them support. And use this man for your glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. And thank you, Pastor Steve. Uh, so grateful for his friendship. It's, it's good to be among so many friends to our ministry here at Church of the Savior. Um, if you haven't met me before, the most, the most important thing to know about me is I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus. I'm a husband and I'm a father. And I'm very honored to get to lead the Family Foundation as we educate and advocate for God-honoring public policy most importantly, on, on the issue of life. And it really is an honor to be here on this Sanctity for Life Sunday to share what I hope is an encouraging pro-life update with you. You know, one of Satan's biggest lies to the, to the church and to believers is that we're supposed to keep our faith within the four walls of, of the church. But we know as believers that Christ is Lord over the entirety of our lives. He's Lord over the church, of our families, our businesses. He's Lord over entertainment. And yes, he's Lord over our laws and policies, our government, even our politics. Being an engaged citizen is an important way as believers that we can love our neighbors. Certainly a way that we can help protect the most innocent among us, pre-born children in the womb. We're in the midst of, a, of an age of cultural chaos, moral revolution, deep division. But the body of Christ must continue to proclaim the gospel, and disciple people to obey everything that our Lord has commanded, to have a biblical worldview in all areas of life. And it really is important to have a biblical worldview on the issue of life right now. In fact, a, a recent study was done by our, our National Allies at the Family Research Council that looked at regular church attenders. And they found that 71% of those that attend church regularly are desiring more worldview training on the issue of abortion. But unfortunately, only 65% of those believe that the Bible speaks clearly and decisively to the morality of taking the life of an unborn child. And those numbers go down much further for those that don't attend church regularly. So as I start with a, a, a pro-life update and get into what's happening here in Kentucky and across the nation, I just want to remind folks of some of the basic biblical truths that we need to keep front of mind when we think through the issue of, of abortion. Number one, every person, every child in the womb 
is created in the image of God, worthy of protection, infinite in value. And we know that children are a blessing from the Lord. We know that intentionally taking the life of an innocent human being is wrong. We also see beautifully throughout Scripture that the occupant in the womb is a baby and is referred to as a baby. And so because of that, we know that intentionally taking the life of an unborn child through abortion is always wrong. I challenge y'all to take these truths to heart and to use Scripture as your lens on the issue of abortion and every other issue. So as we sit here right now, though, where do we stand here in the United States and in Kentucky? You know, it's been 51 years since the most unjust decision in the history of our nation, the Roe v. Wade decision, was decided at the U.S. Supreme Court. And during those 51 years, more than 63 million preborn babies lost their lives in this nation. But we are so thankful, continue to be thankful to the Lord, that on June 24th, 2022, the Lord granted us a big victory that saw Roe Roe come down. In the, in the Dobbs decision, what was known as the Dobbs decision, you know, that historic victory that we need to remember and still give thanks for led to a very important victory here in Kentucky that, saw, uh, uh, that led directly to our Human Life Protection Act going into effect, effectively banning abortion and protecting preborn children throughout pregnancy in the Commonwealth. And since June of 2022, thousands of babies have been saved in Kentucky. And in fact, a recent study that was uh, done uh, looked at Kentucky and a number of other states that have put different uh, protections in place for preborn children have seen that actually births are increasing and are on the rise. And that's something we should be thankful for. Um, thank you. Yeah. But despite numerous legal challenges that have come and I'm sure will continue to come, relentless attacks in the media, campaign ads that I'm sure we all saw painting our pro-life laws as too extreme, we must continue to thank the Lord that every word of every pro-life law passed in the commonwealth continues to be in effect, saving babies and protecting mothers. But in spite of the things that we have to be thankful for, there's also some, uh, some important uh, sobering realities about where we stand right now that we need to be honest about. And one of those is the fact that pro-abortion forces and the culture of death are on the march. And we need to be truthful about this. In November, this past November, our neighbors to the, uh, our neighbors to the north, Ohio, unfortunately became the seventh straight state in which pro-abortion forces have won a ballot initiative since Roe was overturned. In every one of these cases, including here in Kentucky in the previous year on Amendment 2, the pro-abortion side has vastly outraised and outspent the pro-life side. We've seen many states race to expand abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. We've seen the continued proliferation of the chemical abortion pill by mail. We've seen our pro-life pregnancy care centers that do life-saving work and ministry every day come, uh, they've been targeted, in some cases actually attacked in different places across the nation. And we've seen an administration at the federal level that is seeking to do everything in its power to promote abortion and to um, undo uh, and subvert some of the pro-life laws that states like Kentucky have passed. We need to recommit 
if we don't continue to contend for life in every area that we can, at the local level, at the state level, at the national level, we cannot expect to continue to build the progress that the Lord has called us to to stand for life. We can't bury our heads in the sand. As many are recommending, as the abortion issue has heated up even more since Roe has come down, we can't move away from that issue simply because a few elections may not have gone the way that we like. We have to remember that silence in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. If we hope to make further pro-life gains, we must lovingly proclaim the truth of life and back it up by word and deed. We must support our, our tremendous pregnancy care centers and help start new ones. And we have to launch new strategies to win the hearts and minds of our fellow Kentuckians. But as I said at the start, it starts with the church. It starts with discipling believers with a comprehensive biblical worldview where we can all clearly and see, uh, excuse me, clearly see and withstand the lies of the enemy. There is no doubt in the last year and a half, the battle has gotten harder. But that's okay because we're fighting on the Lord's side. We have truth on our side. We have science on our side. We know that human life begins at conception. We know that every preborn child is created in the image of God. But the battle is becoming more intense. And we're already seeing that right now in the 60-day legislative session that's going on in Frankfurt. Just in the last, uh, last two weeks, we've seen a bill filed that would seek to move Kentucky backwards on the issue of life by re-legalizing abortion in some cases. And this was announced at a high-profile pro, uh, press conference featuring our governor. We really need your support, engagement, and prayers this legislative session in Kentucky to ensure that every preborn child remains protected regardless of the circumstances of the child's conception. We need your support to move forward in continuing to pursue pro-life laws and policies that build a culture of life, loving moms, loving babies, loving families. Kentucky continues to be uniquely positioned to chart the path forward for the pro-life movement in our nation. Two ways that you could prayerfully consider engaging this week. One is on Tuesday, Kentucky will have its own March for Life in Frankfurt. Be a great opportunity to uh, join what I hope will be thousands of our fellow pro-life Kentuckians as we march and stand for life. Another way is simply just reaching out and encouraging your legislator. If you go to our website at KentuckyFamily.org, we have a way where you can simply send an encouraging pro-life message to both your Kentucky House and Senate members, and it will encourage you to do that. In closing, I want to share a quote from a joint statement that several pro-life leaders released after the Dobbs decision that I think summarizes things well. It's true that Americans are divided on abortion after Dobbs but life will triumph. The same constitutional principles that ensured equal protection for black Americans also protect defenseless children in the womb. It falls upon us to ensure that this guarantee is enforced. The North Star of the pro-life movement remains the same as it always has, the end of abortion by ensuring the equal protection of our laws. I really thank you again the opportunity to, to be here and share as I reflect on being here on this Sanctity for Life Sunday, I remember that it was it not for a Sanctity for Life Sunday in Garland, Texas, at the church that I grew up at when I was 10 years old, I wouldn't be here today because the Lord pierced my heart on the issue of abortion. I hope and pray 
that the gospel will advance in such a way that our culture will be transformed from a culture of death to a culture of life. May we all commit to do our part to speak up for those that can't speak for themselves and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those impacted by abortion. Thank you. Had it not been for Phyllis and the pregnancy center, I would be dead. They saved my life. My son saved my life. Now it is my turn to defend the very cause that saved me. Not long ago, I stood before the Vermont Senate and testified about my experience as a human trafficking survivor who became the first black woman in the state to direct a pregnancy center. I had been asked to testify against a bill targeting pro-life pregnancy centers, falsely claiming that we mislead the public about our services. But my story shows that this narrative is a lie. I'm living proof that pregnancy centers love, serve, and commit ourselves to the men, women, and children of our communities who need our help. My name is G. Marie Davis. I serve as the executive director of Branches Pregnancy Resource Center in Brattleboro, Vermont. From age 2 to 29, I was trafficked in 33 different states. I suffered severe abuse, rape, and even murder attempts by various pimps. I was heavily addicted to hard drugs like crystal meth and cocaine. I eventually reached a point where I intentionally sought to end my life by overdosing. But at 29, even though I was losing weight from the drugs, my belly kept growing. I soon discovered the pregnancy that would ultimately save my life. Completely apathetic, denying the pregnancy, my pimp demanded that I give him $1,500. I refused. I told him I was done being his slave. He even sent people to kill me, but I escaped. Pregnant, terrified, and with nowhere to go, I ran away from the only life I had ever known. With only $1.38 to my name, I had very few places to turn. After being denied housing by 27 shelters, I finally found one that agreed to help. They connected me with a local pregnancy center where a woman named Phyllis changed everything. She called me with a single kind touch and the words, I know a man named Jesus who can help you. In that moment, I abandoned my former life forever. The Pregnancy Center provided me with free resources and support to take care of my son. I was also able to realize dreams I had never imagined. I got a job at a local hospital and earned my college degree while working with families at a safe house program. Years later, I came to serve as executive director for Branches. I have worked in this role to raise awareness of the services we provide to the local community. Branches helps to care for and connect those who are homeless with the resources they need. The CEO of one of the largest hospitals in Vermont has requested to collaborate with us. We are also training the local police department to learn how to identify human trafficking and save victims of the industry. Had it not been for Phyllis and the pregnancy center, I would be dead. They saved my life. My son saved my life. Now it is my turn to defend the very cause that saved me. Unfortunately, the bill I testified against 
has since become law. Now, if we advertise our services in a way that Vermont's pro-abortion attorney general claims to be misleading, we face fines up to $10,000 for each violation. But the law is vague. For example, one witness during a hearing on the bill said that even naming a pregnancy center, the Women's Center, should violate the law since it somehow sends the message that abortions are available there. The law also bars our staff members who are not licensed by the state from handing out health-related information. Of course, the law applies only to pro-life pregnancy centers in the state. Abortion businesses, non-licensed staff members can still pass out information, but our staff members cannot. Vermont wants to shut down pregnancy centers because we don't support the state's extreme abortion agenda. That's why branches, along with another Vermont pregnancy center, Aspired Now, and the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates, worked with Alliance Defending Freedom to file a lawsuit challenging the law. The government has no business shutting down our life-saving work. Pregnancy centers should be free to serve their communities without fear of unjust government punishment. Our work powerfully shows that there is real help for men, women, and children in need who feel like there's no hope. Whether it's human trafficking, homelessness, abuse, or abortion, the hateful narrative that smears pro-life pregnancy centers says I fell victim to their work. That is a lie. Because of pregnancy centers, I was set free. Follow our case at adflegal.org. I saw Anne Marie give her testimony on Fox News from the March for Life on Friday, and I just said, I need to show you guys this. And also one of our young men, Matt Lorimer, works with Alliance Defending Freedom, and I'm so grateful for their advocacy for uh, the things that really matter. Lord, as we study this really tough topic, I ask for grace today. I ask for healing today. I ask for your touch today that you would do extraordinary things for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Uh, today, the topic is, does human life begin before birth? This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. I pray churches all over our city and state are, are remembering this day. The March for Life was on Friday in Washington, D.C., about 100,000 people, I assume mostly people that love Jesus, went there. They braved the cold in order to ask the Holy One to give our country mercy instead of bringing judgment on our land for what we've done. Uh, some of you guys like football. My wife forces me to watch it, and I do it with gusto. But this guy, Coach Jim Harbaugh, who won a national championship two weeks ago, he came and spoke, praise God, for his commitment for life. And also our new uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, who loves Jesus. And as a man of integrity, he spoke too. We need godly people like this in leadership. Someone say amen. 
The Kentucky March for Life is this Tuesday in Frankfurt. If you want to know the specifics or how to sign up, all you have to do is Google this. It'll be a day you will never forget. Dress warm, please. Now let's talk about this. I just want you to think. Think with me. If life does not begin at conception, then abortion is no big deal. And I really don't want to cause anyone in this room or the hundreds of people that will be watching online, I don't want to cause any more pain. I don't want to impose any more guilt or shame. Lord knows we all have too much of that already. Not throwing any stones at anybody today. But if life does begin at conception, this is a really big deal. This is a very big deal. This is something that Christians ought to talk about. Christians ought to think through. We ought to look at the, what the scripture says. Now, in our culture, this is where the debate centers on. And as David said a while ago, just three months ago, our friends to the north, the state of Ohio, they put in their books a constitutional right for abortion from now on, 56% to 44%. Very sad. Very sad. Now, just think logically with me. Here's something to think about. Somehow, the value of a child, the nature of a child, is it possible that it would magically change in a matter of 6 to 12 inches. What are you talking about, Steve? That just because the little one moves from inside his mother to outside his mother, does that change the value and the nature of the child? Now, I'm going to talk today about a simple message just about listing what people know across our culture about this. And I want you to think through this. Uh, you say, Steve, I don't like hearing about this. You don't like hearing about it? I don't like talking about it. I'd rather, get, I'd rather fall down steps and talk about it. But I'm going to talk about it. Why are you going to talk about it, Steve? Because I want to protect children. Because I want to protect women. And I want to protect men from carrying guilt for the rest of their life. I want to protect them. If we can reason over this, and I really want to protect our nation, because the Holy One is looking at our nation to decide what he's going to do about what we've done. And it is the devil, Satan himself, who has brought this evil upon our land. Why do you say that? Because Jesus said he's the one that steals, kills, and destroys. And it's just like in the days of Egypt, where Satan moved Pharaoh to wipe out the Jewish race by having all the little baby boys tossed into the Nile so crocs could get them. 
And our enemy has done a really good thorough job at wiping out an entire generation of 60 million people who would possibly come to know our Savior and serve him. He wiped out doctors and nurses and teachers and coaches and musicians and poets and dancers and pastors and missionaries and counselors and business entrepreneurs and farmers and basketball players. He wiped out an entire generation. Because that's what he does. Now the categories I'm going to talk about. I got them straight from Randy Alcorn. Randy is one of my heroes. He has become a great defender of life. He has suffered for his position, but he has done it, and the Lord has honored him and given him a huge platform. If you're a guest in this church, we give out every guest a little booklet called 17 Questions About Heaven that Randy Alcorn writes. have a lot of esteem for him. So here's the first category. And that is children. Children know that human life begins before birth. Feminist Jean Garten, and this is a picture of her, tells a story that when her boy was three years of age, he wandered into her bedroom one night and inadvertently saw a photo of an abortion at 10 weeks. And this little boy ran to his mama with tears and sadness, and he said, Mama, who broke the baby? He was a three year old. And Gene says, At that moment is when my paradigm changed because my three year old could see what, my, what I could not see at 45. And she became a great defender of life. Number two, pregnant women know that human life begins before birth. Why would you say that? Because I've been around a bunch of pregnant women and they never say these things. They never say, oh, that blob of tissue just kicked me. You'll never hear that said. And they never would say, oh, the product of conception kicked me. And they will never say, my fetus just kicked me. Every pregnant woman that I've ever been around or met, here's what they say. What do they say? My baby just kicked me. Here, feel that. They know. Number three, doctors know that human life begins before birth. Any good doctor will say when he or she is treating a pregnant woman, this is what they will say. Oh, by the way, I have two patients. I don't have one patient. I have two patients. And that doctor will give the mother the best care he possibly can. And at the same time, give the smaller, less visible patient the best care also. Number four, abortionists know that human life begins before birth. Why would you say that? Well, I got a short time. I'm just going to give you a few examples. This is a great example. Vanderbilt University, three and a half hours right down the road. Their surgeons have pioneered fetal surgery 
that they've used to save lives in the womb. And this surgeon, Dr. Joseph Bruner, he is on the far right in the picture doing surgery on a little one. He has performed many in utero spina bifida surgeries. And he's had great success. And over 20 years ago, there was a story in the Atlanta newspaper where Dr. Bruner said some things that were very moving and very revealing. He said, as I do surgery on these little ones in their mommy's womb, I will talk to them while I work. I do that to soothe them. I do that to gentle them, to keep them quiet. And I actually do it to let them know what's happening. He said, I found it works. And he said, sometimes I will even convey a message from the little girl's parents who are anxiously waiting just 40 feet away of the news. And I will convey a message like this. Your mommy and daddy want you to know they love you. And they and I, we're going to do all we can to help you. So I want you to rest. And I want to show you something. Show you something that you, it'll be hard for you to wrap your head around. He was doing surgery on a 24 Weak little girl in her mommy's womb when the most unusual thing happened, the child brought her arm out of the incision and grabbed the finger of the surgeon and clasped it. Twenty-four weeks. Twenty-four weeks. And the child's name is Sarah Marie Switzer. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. This is Sarah's picture today. What a pretty girl. And she lives a full life. And she does have some health challenges. People or kids that have spina bifida. Look at this. She is water skiing in a wheelchair. Someone say, wow, that's incredible. But here's the flip side of it. Dr. Bruner also says this. I do save children's lives, but I also take children's lives that have spina bifida. I do both. And the reason I do both is because of what their parents tell me I have to do. And he said it's put me in a really horrible moral position to save the life of one child, then hours later take the life of another child. Because I know that's a child. Point number five, pro-choice feminists know that human life begins before birth also. You have to think about the consequences. 
You have to understand it is a moral dilemma. One feminist wrote, and I was going to show her picture and put her name up there, but I decided I'm not going to do that. But here's what she wrote. She is a defender of the pro-choice movement. She said, I understand, even though I champion abortion, I understand we could be in danger of losing elections because of what we choose. And she went on to say, but our country and the people in our position, we are in a greater danger because we are in jeopardy of losing our very souls because of what we stand for. Point number six, society knows that human life begins before birth. You go into any Kroger, you go into any grocery store, and you will see signs in the alcohol section that says this. Oh, by the way, sis, you do know drinking booze while you're pregnant is really going to hurt you and the baby. You do, you do know that. So there are signs everywhere. And if you go to the cigarette section, it says, by the way, do you know that if you're smoking or vaping and you're pregnant, it can really hurt your child? And in many states... I didn't have time to look at the particular states, but many states, if a pregnant woman comes into a hospital or doctor's office and she has illegal stuff in her system, she does have the chance of being arrested and having her other children taken from her. It's a horrible deal. Point number seven, the media. Everyone say the media. They know that human life... Begins before birth, could give lots of stories. Let me give you a very simple story. Car companies, they exist because they want to sell cars and they want to tell you that their car is safer than this car and this is the best car. You got a family, you take care of your family by buying this car. And they've even targeted pregnant women in the past, say, look at this car wreck. And they'll show you the picture of the car wreck. But... Our safe car saved and a seat belt saved, one seat belt, one airbag saved, two lives. Volvo is really good at this because they, they market that they really manufacture and sell very safe cars. And so one of their ad campaigns this was their lead-in saying, is there something potentially inside you telling you that you should buy a Volvo? And then they put a picture of an unborn child. Pro-choice pro advocates... also know that human life begins before birth. I will put this person's picture up there, psychologist and pro-choice advocate, Magda Denise. She said these stunning words in a book. She said, 
I do see that abortion is murder. I, I see that. I have eyes. But it's a special kind of thing. It's a necessary thing. And she said, there is no physician that was ever involved in an abortion act that ever kids himself about what he did. Here's the most important. Are you ready? The Holy One. God the Father, God the Creator. He, did you know he actually knows this answer too? He does. He's pretty smart. He does know when life begins. Uh, people don't think he exists and don't think he cares and don't think he knows. He exists, he cares, and he knows. And he's good. Let me just give you some verses. The Lord Jesus that we love and trust called God his heavenly father and called him our heavenly father. When you pray, say to your father who is in heaven. On the cross, he called out to his father, Abba, father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Did you know 15 times in the Old Testament calls God the father? Did you know 165 times in the four Gospels? 165 times? You know, if you hear something once, you should get it. But 165 times, the Gospels call God the Father, which means he exists, he loves, he cares, and he always wants to help you. But do you see a connection? If there's a father, it means they have children. That's his heart. First book of the Bible. First chapter. The Trinity said, let us make mankind and our image. After our image, he made them. People debating, what does it mean to be human? Well, it means that you were created in the image of God. It means you were created either male or either female and that you will live one life. No such thing as reincarnation. One life and you will die once and then you will stand before the judge of the universe. Once. And we were designed to multiply and bless and fill the earth and subdue the earth and rule. That is the first commission in all the Bible, Genesis 1.28. That's what it means to be human. You see this little one? That's nine weeks old. Nine weeks. So, all human life is valuable to God, period. All human life is valuable to God, period. All human life, wherever you find human life, is valuable to God, therefore must be valuable to us. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. The Lord says to the writer, 
You probably don't get this figured out. But in the womb of a woman, the Spirit of God is working in the life of the woman and in the little one, knitting those bones together and calls the little one a child. And the writer says, do you not know the, and understand? Can you not see the work of God who makes everything? People say everything. D, God said to the young prophet, a young man may be in his teens when he was called of God, and God is calling you to stand in the gap, to make a difference, to be another Jeremiah for our generation. He said this to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew everything about you. And I loved you. And I called you. And I consecrated you. I set you apart. And that's true of you too. And I've got a purpose for you. I want you to speak my word to the nation." Which tells us even before the act of conception, God knows everyone and cares about everyone. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And he designed everyone. And God doesn't make any junk. Psalm 39 says, Every one of you were fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully, made by the creator and everyone is destined they choose but they're destined to know him and destined to walk with him and destined to serve him and from Isaiah maybe the greatest prophet of the Old Testament God told Isaiah before you were born young man Before you had your first brainwave, before your heart beated, the first time I called you from your mother's womb, I knew your name and I called you by name. Every one of us and everyone watching, you've got destiny. Worship team, would you come up, please? And this wonderful passage we read at Christmas time. From Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth was greeted by her younger cousin, Mary. And the scripture says, the scripture says, the scripture says, the holy scripture says, says the baby. Everyone say the baby. One more time, say it out loud, the baby. One more time, say the baby. What is the baby's name? John the Baptist. leapt in Elizabeth's womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, doesn't it make sense when we go through God's holy word to realize that life begins long before birth? And this is Paul's testimony you may have read Galatians many times, but you just glossed over this. You didn't see the significance of verse 15 where Paul testifies that the Lord told him, before I was born, 
Before I was born, I was set apart. And I was called by God's grace. We did a class last Thursday night on understanding your call. We had about 40 people there on a bad, snowy, icy night. We may repeat that if you want that. But I want you to say you, you have been called by God before you were born. You have a calling. You have a purpose. And your goal in life is to figure out that calling and walk in that calling every day of your life. You have gifts and graces I don't have. You have gifts and graces, capabilities. You have a background I will never understand because God made you to serve him and to help other people. And here's the warning. Here's the warning. And I'm probably soft peddling it. I don't want to be too heavy, but it is a serious thing to shed innocent blood. And there are tons of scriptures. And abortion is taking the life of the innocent. And there is a penalty for the nation, for the city, for the family, and for the individual. There is a penalty. There is a curse that happens. And people do not think this through because they don't know the scriptures. Christians don't know the scriptures. But if you've been scarred, don't think you're, you're alone. I've been scarred. We've all been scarred by this. It is a genocide. It is a holocaust. Either you've been scarred directly or indirectly. Well, how has our nation been scarred? Well, I could take an hour and give you about 10 ways. The evil that's going on in our nation today, part of it is the blood of the innocents is crying out for justice and we just keep shedding more blood, calling for more blood to be shed. But think with me. If you lose 60 million citizens, that's hard on a country. These were the problem solvers. These were the innovators. These were the missionaries and evangelists that Satan wanted to wipe out. And I believe our nation is under judgment because of what we've done. You cannot do wrong and evil and not pay for it without it catching up. It will catch up with you. It will catch up with me because... In many, many ways, we are a wicked nation. We've had the scriptures, we've had the church, we've had opportunity, and yet much of our nation, we're thumbing our nose, our finger in the face of God. And I guess we're all on the hook. Because of what we've said or didn't say, because of what we did, what we didn't do. About 15 years ago, I had the privilege of hanging out in California for a week with one of my heroes. Uh, I love him so much, I just forgot his name. Jock, Jack Hayford, thank you. You're a good man, sir. 
Jack Hayford went home to be with the Lord last year in his 90s. But I, he would take 50 pastors for a week and pour into them. And I got to go for a week. And during one of our lunch sessions, he would take questions and answers. And one of the pastors asked him a question. Pastor Jack, how in the world do we still exist as a country after we've been so wicked? Why, if God wiped out Egypt, Rome, Persia, and he listed all these countries, and he disciplined Egypt and took away Judah, why are we still existing when we have been more wicked than any of them? Because of what we've done. Boy, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. And Pastor Jack said, I don't know the answer. We are truly on borrowed time because the shoe will drop one day. Do you realize everything we have that we treasure in this country can change in a week? Have you seen stuff like that happen in a week? And he said, I'm going, I, have, I have a theory of why we st- we're still around. And everybody just leaned forward. We wanted to know what this great man thought. And he said, well, I think there may be three reasons why we still exist. One, there is still a remnant of churches that are praying in America and seeking God's face. And that is us and that is Lexington. We are growing a prayer movement in our city. And he said the remnant is causing God to stay his hand of judgment. And number two, we're still sending out missionaries. We send out more missionaries than anybody. And that pleases the Lord. And as long as we're doing that, God will stay his hand of judgment, maybe. And he said the third reason. The church in America, the evangelicals, love Israel and are supporting them. And that touches God's heart because when a nation turns against Israel, they will be judged. But our Father, oh, He's so rich in mercy, or I wouldn't be here. He is so rich in mercy and loving kindness. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, and he is ready to forgive. His arms are open, and there's a tear running down his cheek because he knows we all need forgiveness. We all need to repent of the wrong we've done and said and failed to do. And he is so eager to heal. He is so eager to welcome back. He is so eager to restore because that is why he is so good. He is our father. And he will always help us if we just turn to him for help and say, Father, I've been wrong. I've been distant. My heart has been cold. Father, help us. And because he loves us, we should love others who are broken. We should make room for them, time for them. We should cry with them. For all those who are suffering and they're all around us. But we're too busy. We're too busy. So we have good news. 
We can always look in the face of someone hurting, someone that doesn't know if they can trust God or not, someone that knows they don't even know if they can trust anybody. We can look in their face and say, you are loved, you are called, God wants to help you. And I want to say this, we have to love people who are on the other side of this. We are not holy enough to throw stones. They need our love and they need people to listen to them. They, we owe them our compassion because the enemy has deceived them. And they're in much more pain. The anger they have comes out of pain and woundedness. And God turned to the young man who was a prophet called before he was in his mother's womb and said, my people are rebellious. My people are stubborn. My people know better and they've turned their back on me and it hurts me so bad. But Isaiah, go to them and say, the father wants you to come. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to be honest with him. He wants to reason with you because he knows your sin is like a river of blood. And he wants to heal your heart and turn the stain into beautiful purity like new fallen snow. Maybe if God's spirit has touched you today, He's called you to repent. He's called you to come home. Maybe you're 10 years old, just like David was, and he's called you to make a difference. You're 18, you're 20, and he's calling you to serve him. Tell him yes. Just tell him I'm available, I'm willing. So here's how we're going to do this part of the service as we worship. We're going to open the altar. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to find a place to get on your knees. Find a place here across the front. There'll be people that will pray with you. If you want someone to pray with you, some place where you can confess your broken heart and ask for help. I want you to get honest with the Lord. I want you to get clean with the Lord. If you've never received him, I want you to receive him today as we worship. Father, meet us. Come, let us reason with you, says the Lord. As we come, meet us here. So come and do business with the Lord. Cover. 
peace when my fear is crippling you are true you are true even in my wandering you are joy you are joy you're the reason that i sing you are life you are life and you death has lost its sting and oh i'm running to your arms i'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be Nothing compares to your embrace Light of the world forever You are more, you are more Than my words will ever say You are Lord, you are Lord All creation will proclaim You are here you are here, in your presence I'm made whole. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting go. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be. of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever my heart will sing no other Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus. of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever I'm running to your arms I'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be Nothing compares 
important thing for some of you here and some of you watching online nothing starts until you surrender so I just want to pray for you for those Lord that are not even sure if they're saved or if they've given their heart to Christ or they're walking with him now I would just say tell him right now say this in the quietness of your heart just say Lord Jesus I want you Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Make me your child. Because today, I give you my life because I can't fix myself. Make me your servant because you've been calling me. And I say yes to you. In Jesus' name. Have a great day. Be careful going home. Pick up your children. If you need prayer, there's people who will minister with you. Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.